You are listening to the EFCA West podcast. I'm Tim Jacobs, District Superintendent of EFCA West and your host of today's podcast. This is episode two, and we have some fantastic people joining us on the podcast today. We're going to talk about Berlin. We're going to talk about E. We're going to talk about Reach Global with EFCA, Reach Global and Berlin and what's going on there in Western Europe, and I'm so excited about that. But before we get to that, I have one question for you. What are you doing June 18th and 19th? Because if you don't know, I can tell you, you got to be at North Coast Church because we're having our district conference, and it's going to be amazing, and you have got to be there. So carve that time out. We're going to be giving you a whole lot more details in the future, but for now, reserve those two days, sunny Southern California, fantastic venue. If you're an elder, if you're a pastor, if you're a church member, if you're the, if you're the spouse, if you're a friend of any of these people, you got to say, hey, take me to the district conference. I want to go. It's going to be amazing. So I really want to encourage you to block those two days out. We do. We get together every other year, the 200 or so congregations we have in our district, and it's going to be epic this time around. So one of the, the amazing things about, about EFCA is its diversity and its global reach. And, and we have so many people who are doing fantastic work all around the world. And I have one of them in here in our podcast studio. And I also have Linda Bishop with us today, who is our director of women leaders and she's been on our, Linda, how long have you been on our staff? Uh, coming up on 10 years now, Tim. So you, and we just talked about this last night, that you realized that you are the oldest, not the oldest person, but the longest running member of our staff at this point. I, I, I'm close to being the oldest member, <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> but I, I definitely am the, am the current historian, turns out, after being here for almost 10 years. Yes. Yeah. It's been so. a great run. Yeah, and it's been great having you with us, and so um, and and so we're excited to have you today. But our guest that that we're really excited about as well to talk to is Katie, and we're just going to use her first name, and there's, we'll tell you why we're just going to use her first name in a few minutes as we go. But Katie works with Reach Global in Berlin, and I have been looking forward to to interviewing Katie and talking to her about what's going on there. Because I keep hearing these great stories, and I keep I keep seeing the situation there, and so in any case, Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be in sunny California. Yes, and you. <laughs> when did you just you're so you're back from Berlin, mm-hmm. right? When did you get back here? Last Friday, a couple of days ago. And yep. you're hanging out with Linda. Yep. yep, I'm here. I'm here for about a month, going to the theology conference. Okay. In Chicago in February, so. We're both going to be there, as well as a whole lot of other people. I hear that it's a, a big crowd this year. That's exciting. It's going to be good. So, yeah. Connecting with churches, individuals. Yeah. yeah. So, Katie, tell us, what is your position with Reach Global? Yeah, I'm the Berlin city team leader. I've been in Berlin for about seven years and had different roles over um, those years, but currently lead our team. Okay. And how many people are on your team? We're about 25 right now. And um, a lot of young adults, a lot of 20-somethings right out of college, kind of their first job. Um, and then we have kind of another slew of folks who are um, families, transitioned to Berlin, brought their whole family with them, and are coming alongside different uh, church planting projects, long-term projects in the city. So 
Tell me a little bit about Berlin as a city. Cause I guess one of the questions, cause you, you are, you are going there and you're part of reach global and mm-hmm. you're, you are part of our effort to um, our, our entire statement. Our, our mission statement is multiplying transformational churches among all people. And I know mm-hmm. that that's a big deal for us on the, on the national ministry side. And I'm not sure I know there's a fair amount of EFCA churches that that know that we have people around the world, but they don't always they aren't connected with them very well, or they're not even really sure exactly what they're doing there. How, how did you get started with Berlin, and is it is it like a project that Reach Global launched? And if so, when did that happen, and what was the thinking behind mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you have you have to go back kind of to the bigger picture. One of the things that's really unique about our team is that. Um, we come alongside German leaders, German Christians, and what we've realized is that because of the spiritual context, they just don't have the resources to be able to accomplish their vision. There's great ideas, great thinking, um, but yet there's kind of a shortage of manpower, so to speak. And so that really comes about because of the spiritual context. And so often we don't think of Europe as being a place of need. Mm-hmm. We think of Europe as being a place with all of the resources. And they do. They have a lot of, they've, they've made a lot of incredible contributions, right? To academia, philosophy, modern thinking in the cars. Western world. Cars. That's right. Fast cars. <laughs> German engineering, um, but we they, they break a lot, but they're pretty cool. When they work, they're pretty cool. Right. <laughs> they're beautiful. Yeah. Um, but right, the the spiritual context though is very different than mm. here, and so the lifestyle maybe not doesn't look very different from the outside, but yet spiritually we see a very different story. And so with, um, in a 2015 study by the University of Chicago, sorry, 2013 study by the University of Chicago, it said that East Germany was the most atheist place in the world. Hmm. So that tells us, hey, there's something different here. Um, and so that's what, as a team, um, what we're trying to do is just come alongside German leaders who have a vision saying, hey, how can we help you? So um, it's really a partnership. It's not us coming in from the outside saying, hey, we have a plan for your life. We know what you need. We know what God wants to do here in the city. It's saying, let's discover that together. And so that's what we, re- we really focus on as a team. So you say you come alongside German leaders. So you had to know some of these German leaders, uh, these German Christians mm-hmm. To begin with, so how did you? How did do you know how you guys found them, or what? Was yeah, I mean, it's it's all about relationships. I mean, okay. that's where I think sometimes in our um, kind of I don't just we forget how important relationships are, and we yeah. forget what it what it looks like just to come in and say, hey. We're here to serve. This is who we are as Reach Global. So um, Reach Global works around the world in different locations, but had never worked in Berlin. So we really had a fresh start um, back in the 2000s. And um, we had somebody move there and there was relationships with the Free Church of Germany and all Mm. sorts of other denominational connections for sure. But it really wasn't those formal connections or ties that really made it. It's really just sitting down with another leader and saying, what is it like for you? What are your challenges? What are your struggles? Where could we maybe help? This is who we are. And so naturally our vision as, as Reach Global, as the EFCA, is to multiply transformational churches. But it was really the question of saying, what does that look like in Berlin? What is, how, how, what's that expression of the, the free church in Berlin? And it turns out we have a lot of freedom, right? That's the beauty of the free church is that freedom to say, hey, what is, it looks like here and the church needs to look different in this context and that's okay. So 
it's a little bit of our history. Um, How long have you been there? I've been there for seven years. Okay. And what, what drew you specifically to Berlin? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I never wanted to live in Germany. I had never really wanted to live in Europe in general. So um, it was really a process of understanding that context and, and really looking at the statistic and saying, okay, roughly conservative estimates would say that there's maybe 2% evangelical. And the question then is, what are we doing with the other 98%? And that statistic, that question, just, it just sunk in really deeply. And what I saw the, what I saw um, happening is that there was an intentionality to say, you know what, we want to be part of building the church. We want to be part of church planting efforts and our team is. And, but yet we also want to be figuring out how to connect the gospel to the 98%, to those who aren't interested in a church service or anything connected to a church. Um, what does it look like to live out the gospel in front of them? And that's really what drew me to Berlin. Yeah. So what is it like there? I mean, because a lot of people, when they look at Western Europe, they just go, oh, this is a place to go on vacation. Or they see the West is kind of like, even though they know it's got, the average person knows, oh, you know, it's it's not it's kind of maybe dead or, or maybe not as spiritually alive as is, but they still consider it the West and they would almost consider it like at a higher tier as, you know, the Middle East or Asia. Like that's where the real problems are. That's mm-hmm. where the real darkness is. Mm-hmm. You know, Europe, at least we, you know, at least we got, mm-hmm. at least they've got civilizations, quote unquote. That's how right. a lot of people consider it. So why is it hard to convince people that, uh, well, I guess one question is why is it hard to convince people that, that Europe is a mission field? And what would you say to someone who says, yeah, come on, man, I was just there on vacation. It's like, that place is fine. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, or maybe even like they had their chance, you know, why they, they've already, they've been exposed. What, what could you possibly do? So Mm -hmm. talk about that Mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think a couple things that we forget us coming from a Christian, a Christian context or maybe Christian family or from the church, we forget um, just what it's like to perhaps, or we don't even know what it's like to grow up without a Christian family member or a mm. Christian coworker. So um, I often say that I'm probably the first Christian that most people have met. And so that means that living out my faith on a daily basis is so significant that I am possibly the first living expression, incarnational expression of the gospel. So we all have access to the internet, right? At yeah. this point in time, if you have the internet, you're, you have access to the gospel, but you really don't have exposure to it. And so that's, that's a difference I would say is that people are really, they don't have exposure to the gospel like they would perhaps here in the U.S. I think that's something that you feel and experience when you're in Berlin. Ron and I had the opportunity to spend a week with Katie a few years ago. And uh, Katie took the week off from work. And so we really had a concentrated time of uh, both museums and sightseeing, but also just being in Katie's neighborhood and traveling around to where other uh, members of the team are living and into their communities and so forth. And I was struck time and time again, and I've talked about this many times, uh, by the spiritual darkness in Berlin that I experienced and we experienced. We'd be in small restaurants and there was just, the whole the Holy Spirit was not there. 
uh, filling in the corners of the room in ways that we experience that here in the U.S. and don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. It was very clear that there were, there was, the presence of God was seemingly limited to Ron and Katie and I. And I don't, you know, with a 98% uh, unchurched, uh, non-believing, I think that probably was pretty accurate. So it's, 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 uh, it, it was shocking. And as you, you say, Tim, to be in Western Europe and, and realize that God is not there because the people of God are not there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because we don't even realize that living in the U.S. Correct. We take that so much for granted. And there'll, there'll be times that, you know, I'll go into a Starbucks and just by, just by observation, there's a group, there's a couple pastors meeting over in the corner over here. There's a couple people having a Bible study. There's a dude, you know, reading a, a, a book by Andy Stanley or whatever. And right. you know, there's times I've walked into my Starbucks and I go, man, this place is, except for like maybe the employees, cause I don't, they're, mm-hmm. they're working, mm-hmm. but it's, this place is covered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like 80% mm-hmm. of the people in here have some, mm-hmm. and, and, but even those who don't, at least in my town in Phoenix, and, and yet it's true. I, I was even when I, when I was preaching in Torrance a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, in, in LA, right, right by LAX, you know, and, in, in kind of that South Bay area. And you go to a Starbucks on a Sunday morning and I was overhearing spiritual conversations, Bible studies, talk, you know, mm-hmm. and to, to just what you were saying is it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. A couple of years ago, I was at a, at a at a party and at someone's house, and I was just looking around. One of those quiet moments, and everybody's talking to somebody else, and it just struck me. I don't know if anybody has prayed for any of these people. Hmm. Is anyone praying for these people that I'm that I'm with in the room? Is there anyone that is praying for them? So, so it, yeah. So I mean, on that, if if. If there is a vacuum of Christianity in Berlin, and so I mean, tell me a little bit about Berlin though, too, because it's kind of a cool city, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the challenge when we talk about spiritual darkness because there's so much energy and vibrancy as well. So it's really a both and city in every regard. So you've got it all. You've got artists, you've got students, you've got a bohemian culture, you've got the, um, a city that was once divided that's now coming together. You've had just different eras in modern history in this city. And so you've got um, international business. You've got a, a, a really, really strong electronic music scene. It's kind of the Hollywood of, for electronic music. So you've got a lot of people. It's affordable to live in. So you've got a lot of people moving there who can live there. It's a very livable city. Okay. And so that allows a lot of interaction, a lot of creativity, a lot of diversity then. I think there's roughly 180 different people groups living in Berlin. Roughly 25% of the city kind of has an immigration background. So there's a strong Turkish culture, a strong Vietnamese culture, um, strong Asian culture. So you've got a lot of different influences from Eastern Europe and Western Europe. It's really kind of a, a, a real mix, so to speak. And so one of the things I was curious about, because I have not been to Germany. My family has and, and, and every, but I've not been there except to land in the airport one time. But the what I'm curious about is in the almost every year here in America, we, we produce some another, another iteration of a world war two movie, <laughs> right. world war two. I mean, there was even that, that show on um, Amazon prime, what it was called where like the, the, they imagined if like the Germans had won the war and the Japanese had won the And so they split America up into, into the German side and the Japanese side. And it was a really interesting show. 
I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. But we still, we still have in our conscience, we have the greatest generation, we still have in our consciousness, we are still living like those waves of World War II. I mean, it's still, it is characterized generations in terms of what we think about as heroic and the storming the beaches of Normandy and all that kind of stuff. And so that's still in our consciousness. How is World War II, is it still in the consciousness of the Germans and, and what effects do you see kind of lingering from there in terms of their own psyche or how does it affect spirituality or whatever else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, I mean, obviously it's a huge part of our history, their history, but really generationally, it's it's not where we're stuck at this point in time. So Berlin has moved on and they're facing other challenges. So the political stability of Europe, of course, is a piece of things, mm-hmm. but people groups, borders, immigration, those are the current challenges that people are facing. Naturally, there are still um, racial problems, prejudice the struggle of living together with people who think or live very differently than you. So the challenges that come from being a multicultural society, that's really where, what, um, I, what I see people facing. Um, and so in terms of the past, I think that's been a piece of things. We have to keep that in mind. We want to learn from that. We never want to forget that. And Berlin is very strong and let's not forget that. And I think the, what we see then is the not just a reaction, but a push toward tolerance and acceptance. So um, as Christians, though, I think tolerance can be a really empty word, just kind of tolerate you. So what I see um, as Christians saying, hey, let's let's figure out a way to be respectful of one another so that I can respect you as a person and demonstrate my love through my respect for you, even if you think very differently about things. So what is then, if there is this spiritual void you know, Linda, you mentioned that, that you felt it when you, when you were over there mm-hmm. and maybe almost more so than Katie, because you, Katie, you've been there long enough to where you kind of acclimate a little mm-hmm. bit yeah, to you it. Yeah, you get used to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas more of a shock to right. you. And, and, it, and it's a different than just going on a tour bus too, right. because you're kind of insulated from the everyday culture. So when you go with someone who lives there and you're hanging out, you're more sensitive, I think, to maybe how the everyday person lives or whatever. But what is filling that gap spiritually for the people right now, if, if anything? I mean, because there's a vacuum there. I mean, it was once, it was once, you know, it's known as like the Reformation place and it has all that history. <laughs> right. There's all amazing scholars mm-hmm. and whatever. Mm-hmm. But what, what are people clinging to now, if, if anything? I mean, right. Well, I, I liken the church uh, to a museum. Like that's where, that's the role that the church plays in society today. It's a part of their past. It's a, it's mm. a way you understand what you went through, but it's not where you go to seek advice or counsel or find community or find hope per se. Um, so I think justice, I see a lot of a value for justice in the city because they, it's been a city that has gone through so much and to see people being mistreated uh, historically and not wanting that to happen again. So I see that value for justice, environmentalism. Um, we're always as people, we want to get behind a cause and not an empty cause, something we believe in. And so I see, I see people responding to something. There's that longing for something greater than ourselves, something transcendent. So they they, they have that. So yeah, which they should, I mean, they're normal human beings like everybody else, Yep. but there's an awareness, like we want to we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Berlin is a city. It isn't, it's a very passionate city in that regard. It isn't, you don't live your life uh, passively and um, 
there's there's a desire to engage and to care. And so I see that piece, but I naturally different um, spiritualities, different versions of spirituality. I mean, I think, you know, the perspective on the state church is that been there, done that, and it's not relevant for us anymore. And so there's not a desire to pursue church culture or uh, clergy or anyone connected to the church in terms of in terms of everyday life. So, however, there's a lot of open spirituality, Eastern spirituality that I see people becoming more interested in and wanting to engage. But it's usually on an individual basis. It's a lot more personal. Um, it isn't necessarily so community oriented, although, of course, we, you know, people can find community wherever they, they can build it wherever they want. So um, that's what I see. So, yeah. And uh, so coming in to, to that and, and seeing that and knowing that there is a, there is a sensitivity there to something, but it's almost harder too, because you like you said, when they look at you, they don't see you or if they find out you're a Christian, they don't go, oh, like this is something new. They, they go, they, they, do they connect you I, to the old and like been there, done that? I didn't know anybody still believed that anymore. Huh. That's typically kind of the confused response I get. <laughs> kind of that look of like, hmm, I didn't, wow, okay. And you're, you've thought about this and you actually believe it's not just a cultural thing that you're talking about. So, wow. See, mm-hmm. and that, that's powerful stuff right there because it's so, but it, when you said too, it almost is like they're surprised maybe if they find out you're a Christian, is that because, because you've built a relationship first, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they, and so they see you as like a normal human being and so then they're surprised to know that you would believe this ancient, old and tried and, you know, antiquated, antiquated, mm-hmm. right. Primitive. And even problematic. Yeah. <laughs> primitive and problematic and restrictive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Well, we've talked about that before, Katie, too, and sort of my simplistic characterization of it being, oh, you believe that and this person believes in Tinkerbell and this person believes in whatever. And well, we whatever your belief is to get you through, that's fine. But there's. There's not necessarily any interest to follow up on it, or you can do your thing. And, and I think that's one of my fears for or concerns and what we're all seeing in the American church is that's where we're headed. We have lost so much ground on people understanding what we mean by the term, yeah, I'm a Christian or I'm a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we've come so far from understanding or having any working knowledge of who Jesus is and what that's all about. So there's definitely some some similarities here in um, moving so far away from the gospel and its and its presence in everyday life and people living it out uh, in transformational ways that uh, uh, I, I think I we look to Berlin and some of these other cities and say we need to learn what's going on there now and uh, get back over here and take heed and and respond accordingly. Well, I think that's that's part of why it's so significant to live out our faith and to be Christian business people, to be engaged um, in our you know profession or in society or in our community and to demonstrate what that looks like because then people have an experience to say, oh, this you're not 
um, someone that's actually a drain on society, you're actually helping it flourish and you're actually contributing something and your faith, it actually wants you to produce beautiful art. Your faith actually wants you to be a person of integrity. Your faith actually wants you to help meet that need in the community and to be able to see that, to say, okay, maybe I haven't understood what Christianity is really about, that Christianity isn't just this restrictive faith. It actually is freeing. It actually frees us to be fully who we are, to 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 live out all of that beauty that God has from birth embedded in us, <laughs> right? Um, and so that's where I think, to me, it's it's somewhat of a marketing problem on some level, saying, hey, there's a perception that Christianity is restrictive and harmful to society. Let's show them that it's not. Yeah, and it's funny because that's exactly the course that as as I'm stepping into the role of district superintendent and I'm realizing I work for an organization that's called the Evangelical <laughs> Free Church of America and we know that evangelical is a loaded word and so there's people who are saying hey it's too late let's just call ourselves something else I don't believe that I think that the word is worth recovering worth demonstrating that it it needs it can be cuz right now what do people see they see you know, it's like a white dude who drives a truck and loves America and owns a gun and votes for Donald Trump. And as I've been going around to different churches, I said, hey, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, I would fit into, you know, a few of those categories, but none of those things make me an evangelical. And I think I think that what I'm learning as I'm going out is I'm realizing that there is there's confusion on the part of the media and the popular culture about what an evangelical is and what an evangelical values. They go, well, they're you know they they're they're bi- they they like the Bible, they like their church, and they they like you know they live out in the you know you typically away from an urban area, and they're super conservative. And they listen to talk radio, and they've 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 got this kind of profile, and they group those in as if those all those all are as as important as our as the person's faith in Jesus. And you say, well, gosh, that's really unfair. But then as I've been talking to more Christians, I'm realizing a lot of them think that those things are just as important as Jesus too. And they wouldn't maybe come out and say it, but it's certainly true in their behavior. And so I think, I think it's what you're saying is when you're, when you live in a place like Berlin, you have to really take stock of your actions, whatever, whatever role you have in society, you're kind of saying, Hey, I have to realize that, that I, as you said before, like I'm the only person that anyone might ever meet who believes in the power of Jesus Christ to set me free from my sin. So that has to characterize everything about my life. And I can't get hung up on secondary issues of politics or preferences that we can enjoy here in America right now, I think to our detriment as, as, as things go on. But you, it, it's the lines are, are a little bit are drawn differently and you're just you're put in a different place. And I, th- I think that that is relevant to those of mm-hmm. us living in the U.S. right now, because mm-hmm. as is often said, you know, Europe is like 30 years ahead of America in terms of societal change and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. For whatever mm-hmm. reason, that is the case. So we can look at you guys to get. I say you guys, because as far as I'm concerned, you're <laughs> in Germany and that's who you are. Um, but uh, we can look to you guys to get our, our cues from what we may be facing in the future. Yeah. And that's part of why we feel like, Hey, whatever we can learn in Berlin, like however it can help the body of Christ, wherever in the U S in our cities. Um, what we feel like Berlin is really this, 
I call it a playground. It's where we're trying to figure out how to do this thing. How do we as Christians engage in the city? How do we as Christians engage in a culture who thinks very differently than us? When culture is different than our values or living out life from a very different perspective, values, norms, thinking, how do we respond? Are we just fighting? Are we just angry? Or do we do we realize, like I go back to Matthew 9, and I'm like, look how Jesus responded to people when he saw that they didn't have a shepherd. He responded with compassion because they were helpless and they were harassed. You know, it's that's so good. What, what I've been um, thinking about is because you know, you look at the word discipleship and like how many books have been written on discipleship, how many programs have been written on discipleship. And you say, go and make disciples. What does it look like to be a disciple maker? Right. So it's like, how do I, how am I like a disciple maker who makes disciple makers who makes disciple makers? And it's like, <laughs> it's not good enough until your disciple has made a disciple has made a disciple, you know, and all a that thousand stuff. Thousand mini-me's. Like, yeah. It's like, it's like a big multi-level marketing thing, which is not, I mean, it's good because it all leads you to heaven, but, but it's a, it's a lot of pressure. But I, I think the more, as I'm trying to wrap my head around it, the more I think about it, I go, you know, I think being a disciple maker just really comes down to being someone who you say, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to take ownership of another person's spiritual development. I'm just, I'm just going to, like, in other words, like, I'm gonna, whether it's my kids or the people at my workplace, like, I'm going to bear the burden of going, how do I, how do I move them down the field towards Jesus? I'm going to care. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think so being a disciple maker is just like, mm-hmm. so, so then you have to ask yourself, what do I have to do to, to start with where that person is at? Because if I sit there and tell them all the things I love that are extraneous to, to my Christianity, I, that may just be the worst thing in the world. Like mm-hmm. that's, I think we kind of have these barriers to entry here in America of, you know, of our, of our evangelical faith. You know, you got to vote this way and dress this way and think this way and whatever, or mm-hmm. you're, you're really... You might believe in Jesus, but you're really not going to be one of us, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to, I think, what does it look like to look at a person that you're working with or that's just in your in your orbit, so to speak, every day and go, I want to I want to take responsibility for helping that person see Jesus more. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. what do I have to do? Well, we, we do that here in the U.S., the same opportunities we have as Katie does when she's with friends and wondering who's prayed over these people. We have that exact same opportunity to care for our neighbors, the people we work with, the folks we carpool with, and just live out our everyday lives. And the the significance of being very present where God has put me and praying a very simple prayer of let me see people like you see people opens up our eyes to those that are around us that need care and compassion and someone to come alongside and befriend them and be interested in their world. And these are things that uh, I hope that we are developing um, in our folks in our churches that want to be disciples and want to live out the gospel and let them understand that they have their own Berlin, if you will, mm. in their backyard mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. right now in the U.S. And we certainly can learn so much from the team in Berlin and other teams in Reach Global and what they're doing with the boots on the ground, if you will. But but we have those same opportunities right here. And, and it, yeah, exactly. And were you going to say something? Yeah. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, I think there are two things that stand out then in that though, is one is prayer mm-hmm. and this idea that we are nothing without the, the movement of God in someone's life or in a community or in a country. Like it is him that changes lives, that works, that moves. And our prayer is just that cry of saying, we are dependent on you. Would you do something? And there's a level of um, humility that comes that comes from our just engaging God in prayer, just in, that prevents us as well. Even as we come alongside people, like you were, you were describing, we don't always know though what it looks like for somebody to live out their faith in their life. So I think for us, what I've realized working in another culture, I don't know what it looks like for an, for a DJ to become a Christian. I don't know what, I don't know what, what, challenging challenges they're going to hit. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if they have to pull back. I don't know if they have to lean in. I don't know when they need to step out. Like, I don't know where those lines are because I'm not a DJ and I'm not in that context. And I don't know what those challenges are, but I can come alongside them and I don't have to know in order to come alongside them. And so they're not my project either. And I think that's the prayer piece for me is saying, Lord, you do your work in their life and just help me come alongside it. Let me not get in the way um, and cause I, th- I think it's easy for us as people in ministry to say, yep, we, we know what this looks like for you. We've got this plan, you know, we've got five steps or, um, we, we feel the pressure of what we should do or what we should create and to say, I don't know what it looks like to come alongside this person's life, but I want to. Yeah. The humility that, and cause the humility is really what causes you to, want to learn then because you come in you don't come in with the assumption of oh i know what spiritual growth looks like for this person's Mm -hmm. life like and you know there's principles that are transcendent and we have the scripture and we know that we have the fruit of the spirit so what does it look like for a dj who makes his living um going to clubs and you know entertaining people what does it look like to have love joy peace patience kindness all those kinds of things at work in in their life and would we don't want that person to be removed from the culture that they're in either because then they right. become salt and light but i want to press into the relationship piece because as you're saying you know you're you're meeting all these people in different circumstances and you know as i said at the beginning of the podcast one of the reasons why uh, i just want to use your 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 first name um, well, tell me why, tell me why I, because we we're, we're, it's not, it's funny because when we talk sometimes about, um, you know, people that are sent over to other countries or they're serving other countries that are, that are like in the 1040 window or whatever that are in the middle East. Um, and it's like, well, we got to be really careful about this person's identity because if it turns out who they really are, mm-hmm. they could, they could risk their entire life and their mission. Um, why are you, uh, what, what, what gives you a little bit of pause about being mm-hmm. fully, open about, you know, your first name, your last name and everything about you. Right. I mean, we get back to the context again, but I think some of it is just saying, Hey, we want to look through Berlin in, um, from a first person perspective. How would I feel if I heard my story that I shared in confidence with a friend on the radio somewhere Mm -hmm. or in a newsletter that was going out to 500 people? How would I feel if my personal story was being shared? Now, some of that depends on how it was shared, but this idea that, hey, we're not, this isn't about, this is, people are not projects. 
they are humans <laughs> that are that have their own story and feelings and wanting to really respect people and say, hey, your, your story is valuable. So I want to honor that and I want to protect that as well and what God is doing in your life. So I think some of it is just looking at things from a first person perspective and saying, hey, how would I feel if I discovered that my story had been shared to a, you know, in a missionary update letter, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I think the other piece is that working in Europe, you realize you really need to see people as peers. And it isn't about looking down on them. It's it's eye level with people that we are figuring this out together and I'm learning from them as well. They're helping me experience God in new ways because they're asking me questions and it's deepening my faith. So that piece that it's not just about me and what I can give and what my plan for other for other people. Um, but the other thing that we face is that even just the word, the word missionary is so confusing these days. I mean, like mm-hmm. your question at the beginning about is there other, other really needs in Europe and what does that, what does that look like? Why is that a place where mission happens? Um, and I think to say, Hey, that's just a confusing word. I understand the category that churches here in the U S have for that. It's helpful, um, in terms of budgets and, um, coming alongside people like me, but yet in my context, that's a word that's very misunderstood and, um, is really unclear. So I don't, I don't work with orphans. I don't build any wells mm-hmm. and you know, <laughs> I go in public transportation. I go out to restaurants. I go out to eat. I have my flat whites, you know, <laughs> I go to art museums. Yeah. Um, that, that's just a very different, uh, you know, mental image that my life looks very different and our lives look very different because it's very normal. Like I said, the lifestyle is not that different. Well, but. and we, yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where it, it, it's like, we don't want to, cause we know that we're going to put this out there, you know, and, and anyone can listen to it and anyone. And what we, we would, we don't want to have happen is like people that you've built authentic relationships with who may not understand. It's like, no, I really have an authentic relationship with you, but I actually am employed at the same time, or I'm, I am on a mission to come and live out in a very natural way, mm-hmm. the gospel. And so if, if you were, um, you know, if, if someone were to, if so, if one of the people that you are close with were to find out, oh gosh, you know, she's on this podcast and she's, and she's talking about me and right. she's talking about, and it's, and it's, it's like blowing the cover. Like, you know, you work for the CIA all this time right. and you've been living <laughs> yeah. this false Undercover. double life. And it's like, yeah. no, that's not it at all. Right. You don't understand. I actually, regardless of, of reach global or anything, like I, I have an authentic friendship with you, but I actually care about you so much that I want my whole, I, I, I want to dedicate my life to helping you see what I see, exactly. but that's a hard thing for most people to really understand. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we all just like to simplify and some, sometimes that means putting people in boxes. And so, Hey, if I get put in a box, well, God will get me out, you know, <laughs> it's like, so hopefully this, I mean, this is our challenge is that, you know, our question is then, well, what kind of experience? Cause we've had challenges like this when people understand our paycheck comes from the evangelical free church of America. And the reality is my relationships would not look different if my paycheck came from Bayer pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, I think that's a significant thing to think about regardless of where our paycheck is coming from. That's good. How would that impact our relationships? That's good. And so you know, and my, my question then is, well, if you, if I have been a jerk, please tell me, you know, <laughs> if I yeah. have, if I have made you feel bad for what you believe, well, I'd like to know then because I need to apologize. So, <laughs> well, and I love that Katie, because, uh, those of us living here in the States, our paychecks are coming from all sorts of places. 
and the people in our congregations are receiving paychecks from all sorts of places. And yet we are also charged to just go and live out our faith and bring the kingdom of God, move the ball forward in the neighborhoods and circumstances and communities that God has put us in. Mm -hmm. And that's really where our team in Berlin connects with people. Mm-hmm. I think that's where coming back here is always an encouragement to me because it's not about, yeah, I, you know, I operate in German and I live in a city. I don't have a car, you know, so some of my daily realities are very different, but at the same time, our hearts are not different. Correct. And that's where I think there can be so much mutual encouragement to say, Hey, we're all figuring out what it looks like mm-hmm. to live on mission mm-hmm. for Christ in our context, in our world, in our relationships. Yeah. So uh, obviously, the the whole point is what you're doing is something that that is very different in in terms of what a lot of people consider when they think of missions. Um, it's 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 uh, it's cross cultural, but it's not so it's not cross cultural in the sense of like you know you're going well it's you're not going to Africa basically and you're not going to the Middle East and and those projects tend to get rewarded um, a lot more a lot of times in terms of people's opinions or even financial support because they go oh that really you know that would be that would be hard like I wouldn't want to live there so it's almost like I'm going to ease my conscience a little bit you know and I believe in it but hey I'm going to I'm going to give you a bunch of money because you're going to do something that's important but I mean truthfully I would not want to do that I think maybe it's harder for you because some people might go, oh, shoot, man. I mean, where do I sign up? I want to go live in Berlin and get paid <laughs> to like hang out with bars and talk to people. We'll take them. Like that. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. <laughs> like, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's the thing I wanted to ask you about then is like, okay, you have 29 on your team. So, um, so how are you, are you looking for people and what kind of people are you looking for? Yeah, that's a great question because I think even people hear that number, oh, you've got 20 something people on your team. Like, well, surely that's good enough. And it's like, yeah, well, for a whole city, yeah, for a city of 4 million, <laughs> yeah, that's like a sure. drop in the bucket. So, um, yeah, there are just, we have incredible opportunities. In fact, our team is praying that in the next three years, 50 households will join our team. And that means two years, young adults, um, who want to, you know, kind of get their feet wet. Maybe they're not sure where where they fit um, professionally or in ministry. And so we want to just invest in them for two years, help equip them to navigate questions in the spiritual context in our cities so that they can come back here and be great resources to their churches or communities. Um, And then we have staff who come alongside long-term projects in terms of investing in the city long-term to get something off the ground. And so really we have a lot of opportunities in a lot of different areas. Like I said, Berlin is such a diverse city, but it's also a needy city. And that's what people often don't realize in Western, um, in Europe, that um, Berlin has just such a unique history. So problems like homelessness, prostitution is legal. Um, And so we have staff working with, Mm. um, there's three different organizations we work with in the city and come alongside that are ministering to prostituted women, um, uh, the women who work in brothels and on the street outreach, pray for them, counsel them, provide social services for them. So we have opportunities in that area. We have opportunities opportunities in social media. Um, so just you, whatever you know, whatever you can think of, we almost have an opportunity for that. So at risk youth is um, another area in the city coming alongside communities where these youth just don't have the resources or the family support. So single parent families, single moms. Um, just ministries reaching out to the needs that different communities have. And in a really diverse city like Berlin, that's just the opportunities are endless for people to just come live on mission, build relationships, but also then contributing and helping ministries move forward, ministries develop as well. And so, um, you know, we have 
uh, one of our one of our couples that moved to Berlin, he was an IT guy and she was a stay-at-home mom. They moved into a community that no Americans live in. And wow. instant street cred. And they love it because mm. they're just wired and built for that. And they um, got involved in a church plant. And that church plant is now um, launching a new church plant in an area that's reaching um, students and international expats and professionals. Wow. And so just... That's so cool. It's very cool. Yeah. It's very cool. So we have opportunities like that. And you don't have to be a pastor or have professional ministry experience. It's about building relationships with your neighbors. Um, and you're, you're, taking, you're taking students right out of college, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yep. So young people. Yep. So, I mean, 20 somethings, I mean, all ages, we really have a multi-generational team. So people who are coming out of the business world as well. One of the men in our team was a banker in his previous life and is now coming alongside church leaders in a very needy part of the city. And so, um, Berlin as well is a very influential city. So you've also got that piece of people. A lot of people move to Berlin for for a few years as well. And so there's really strategic opportunities to say, hey, how can we come alongside English speakers? So we're looking at, hey, how do we support church plants or ministries that are really connecting to English speakers and athletes in particular? What we've noticed in the past few years is really the, the number of athletes that come to Berlin to train or to play on various um, sports teams, leagues. And so really saying, hey, how can we come alongside that and just have some exciting stories of what God is doing in yeah. in those areas. That's fantastic. I love it. So then if if somebody wanted to say, hey, how do I get involved in because you guys, I mean, and well, th- let me back up, though, because on the on the whole issue of somebody showing up or somebody maybe wanting to get involved personally, maybe going. The other thing I'd say, though, is, yeah, there are opportunities, but you're not I mean, this is this is the uh, this is a field where it's kind of wide open, right? I mean, there's you, you're you're not going to necessarily show up, and there's someone's going to tell you what to do. I mean, like this couple moving in, you just you have to be wired to go in, and you have to look for those opportunities, pray for those opportunities, and you have to be you have to be a proactive person, right? I mean, I don't uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it's an issue of like, well, I get a job, and now I'm going to get a job description that's going to tell me what to do Monday through Friday. Right. Well, we operate, Reach Global operates really based on the person, their, your gifts, um, your experience, what you bring, really what you bring to the table. We want to use that. So what we try, I say my job is really to steward what you bring. So the conversations, it isn't just this, hey, hey, go wherever you want, do whatever you want type thing. And okay, you know, you landed in Berlin, you got to the airport (laughs) and then see ya. Um, But it is, it isn't your typical job where you show up and you know, check the boxes or here's your five things. But we set that together because it's really about utilizing your mm. gifts, what you bring to the table and what God wants to do in Berlin. And so that's really, that's really what, um, what we try to do is really help people use their gifts. And so that's where we talk a lot about like, Hey, what are your strengths? What are you, what are your passions? What are your interests? And where can you really then, where's the best fit for you in the yeah. city? So, but in a diverse city like Berlin, it's like, Okay, you're a professional. You're an IT guy. You like to play video games. I mean, <laughs> we can we can find a spot Those for you. Those people need Jesus too. The <laughs> so, gamers, that's gamers right. need Jesus. That's right. Uh, so and then, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you to say, hey, I mean, how do I how do I get you get behind you financially? How do I learn more about you? Where what can they do? Yeah, Berlin at efca.org. Berlin at efca.org. And Linda, so I mean, you've known Katie obviously. How long have you known Katie? Oh, goodness. Forever and maybe 15 years. <laughs> okay. 
And so, I like that answer. so, I mean, when you look at her, her ministry, I mean, obviously you've been very inspired by it. I mean, what, what, when you look at kind of outside looking in, what, what things do you see? Well, I love that, uh, Katie is, is developing young leaders, uh, whether they're there for two years or they end up going long-term, we need young people to have developed and trained leadership skills and so that wherever they go, they can understand group dynamics, what's going on, and uh, train other leaders. The, the other thing that I like and love about what Katie is doing, and it's been so great to watch, is, again, with these young leaders getting into a, a messy world, if you mm-hmm. will. And when they come back, should they come back to the States or wherever God places them in the next chapters of their lives, is, is they have a working experience that it's a messy world out there, and those people need Jesus. And uh, I, I, I think that's a message that all of us and training all of us here in the States need to know as well, because it is messy. Yeah. And it's messy when you befriend and come alongside people that aren't churched and perhaps you grew up in the church and you've never seen family dynamics like this played out in full view and uh, perhaps language and lifestyle and so forth and so on. And yet we, we need to, to boldly be able to step into those circumstances in people's lives and bring Jesus there. And so these young leaders in particular that are getting uh, early adult Christian life training in Berlin are going to have a huge impact here on the States, I believe. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so um, go ahead. Well, just the the spiritual questions that we have to navigate just for your own faith, just Mm -hmm. my own faith that like you said, hey, if Europe is kind of down, you know, down the road, those questions are actually going to help the church in the U.S. in the future. So you'd be surprised how many parents come up to me and say, I love what you're doing in Berlin. My son, daughter moved to fill in the blank city, New York, Chicago, you know, L.A. and is lost their faith. And and I think I don't I don't think that has to be the case. Mm -hmm. I think we can help them navigate those spiritual questions. And so. That's my desire is for our young adults to be able to come back and be leaders in the church and to help people navigate those faith questions in the future. It's a win-win. See, and I love it because it goes back to, again, evangelical free. And I've been saying this, that there, it really is when you, when you're gospel centered, we're evangelical, we're messengers of good news, and then we're free, meaning that we are liberated to live under the guidance of the Holy Spirit um, as he speaks through us and as he as he teaches us um, through the scriptures to be creative in how we reach people and ad- address today's problems. And I think the evangelical piece and the free piece put together is an unstoppable combination, and you're experiencing that. So give us the website one more time. Berlin at EFCA.org. Berlin at EFCA.org. <laughs> Katie, it's been awesome having you with Thank us you. today and Linda as well, you know, just... Um, this has been a fantastic conversation. We're gaining ground, we're right? Gaining ground. We're gaining ground. We're, we're, we're winning. Um, we win in the end, but it's fun to be a part of, of the process of mm-hmm. winning in this too. And I, I really believe that. So that being said, remember if you, again, Berlin at EFCA.org, Katie, just think Katie <laughs> Berlin at EFCA.org. And uh, we're going to be posting this. Go to our Facebook page. If you haven't liked our Facebook page yet, you got to go to EFCA West and like the EFCA West Facebook page. Subscribe to the zip line. 
as well. Um, if you're not getting that once a month, don't forget about our district conference. And and for all the other podcasts, you'll be able to have access to that as well on our website. So that being said, hey, thanks a lot for joining us today. And uh, make sure you listen to other episodes of the EFCA West podcast.